Chapter Thirty of Born Again by Alfred Lawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Gabby Cowan. Central Park is a tract of land situated in the middle of residential New York. It is oblong in shape, being two miles in length, half a mile in width, and covering an area of about eight hundred and sixty acres the ground has been artificially changed from a wild waste to one of the most beautiful spots to be found anywhere it is coursed by a network of splendid driveways equestrian roads and footpaths running in all directions among the many little rocky hills and miniature lakes trees flower beds and shrubbery of various kinds have been cleverly arranged by skilled artists to form a delightfully picturesque effect chirping birds of many colors and tame squirrels in multitudinous numbers find this park a heavenly abiding place where the danger of annihilation is minimized playgrounds for the children are laid out in different parts of the domain while a zoological garden where animals are kept imprisoned in small cages for the term of their natural lives is put forth as one of its many features as one passes through the entrance gate at seventy eighth street and central park west and turns first to the right then to the left and finally to the right again following a footpath similar in its windings to a letter s and crossing two small bridges he will come to an abrupt ending of a narrow path running into an immense projecting rock here is located a canopied seat just large enough for two people facing this shelter is a small lake on the edge of which overhanging trees afford delightful shade during the hot months that was the place selected by arletta for our meeting ground it was an out of the way quiet and romantic spot where we spent many pleasant afternoons and evenings enjoying each other's company whenever arletta wanted to see me she sent a note which never failed to bring me there in fact such a feeling of encampment did the place hold for me that many times i wandered out there and sat alone for hours musing but notwithstanding that our many meetings had the effect of strengthening our mutual admiration and love for each other and that i was beginning to fairly idolize this beautiful young woman still certain things came to pass that i could not understand and which caused me to feel that arletta's actions were very mysterious and that there was something about her life she was trying to withhold from me in the first place she would never meet me anywhere else except in that obscure nook in the park and in departing would not permit me to escort her beyond the seventh eighth street entrance where she would abruptly bid me a hasty adieu with instructions that i must take another route that in itself appeared to be a strange proceeding but one evening as i entered a fashionable fifth avenue restaurant on one of my tours of inspection of plutocratic conditions i was amazed to see her seated at one of the tables drinking wine with a male companion her face was flushed from the effects of the beverage 
and she was acting a trifle hilarious and displaying traits of frivolity such as i had never observed in her before as i caught her eye she gave a quick start and then deliberately turned her head in another direction and pretended not to have seen me at this act i rushed out into the street and it was with great difficulty that i was able to control my feelings the next evening i met her in the park and was further surprised when she not only failed to mention the incident but intimated that she had spent the evening at an entirely different place she appeared so innocent however and was so charming in her manner that i almost immediately forgot the affair and said nothing about it a few nights later though as i was walking down broadway near twenty-seventh street i noticed a large crowd of men and women gathered and questioning a bystander as to the reason thereof i was informed that a stylishly dressed lady was too drunk to navigate and was in the hands of a policeman as i craned my neck to get a glimpse of the unfortunate woman i was shocked beyond expression to find that it was none other than arletta who had created the commotion horrified i rushed through the crowd pushing men right and left until i had reached the policeman who was holding her up by the arm and trying to ascertain her name and address she could hardly stand and seemed dazed to the point of falling but as i spoke her name her memory revived somewhat and fixing her half-closed eyes upon me she said why hello jack and then turning to the officer remarked this is my friend jack he will take me home i could not understand the reason she called me jack she had never addressed me in that way before but without delay i informed the policeman that i would take charge of her and requested him to call a cab when the vehicle arrived it became necessary for me to lift her bodily into it and then i was at a loss to know just where to take her in order to get away from the crowd however i told the driver to go on and i would give him the address later tell him to take us to the seraglio apartments she mumbled do you know where the seraglio apartments are i inquired of the driver yes sir in central park west replied he as he whipped up his horse and started in that direction arletta said no more but remained silent as if stupefied from the effects of the intoxicated drink she had taken what a pity thought i as we sped along that this young woman with all her beauty grace and charm and with all of her splendid traits of character should fall a victim to the awful curse of drink could this condition have been brought about because she had no work to perform and too much time and money to squander recklessly what a pity that there are human beings who make and sell poisonous stuff for money which not only robs those who use it of the reasoning power but which undermines the very foundation of the human race those people who make and sell liquor knowing that it will ultimately destroy the lives of thousands of human beings are just as much murderous poisoners as good the chemists who would knowingly give a deadly drug to an intended suicide 
when we arrived at the apartment house which was one of the most magnificent in new york it was with some difficulty that i was able to arouse her sufficiently so that she could walk with my assistance entering the vestibule i asked her if she could get along without further help but she insisted that i should go to her rooms so getting into the elevator we were taken up to the eighth floor as though he was accustomed to this sort of an affair the elevator attendant went ahead and opened one of the doors on the right of the hallway and after turning on the electric light and we had entered he withdrew at once quietly closing the door after him i then found myself within one of the most elegantly furnished drawing-rooms imaginable at one end of the apartment was an archway gorgeously draped with costly tapestries which partially screened another room beyond which served as a bed-chamber arletta staggered forward half pulling me along with her into this other room and throwing herself upon the bed ordered me in a day's sort of a way to remove her clothing i was dumbfounded at this extraordinary command and felt that i was placed in an extremely awkward position i did not like the idea of allowing the poor girl to remain overnight in the uncomfortable position she had taken bound as she was by tightly fitting garments and still i realized that it was a very delicate undertaking to follow out her instructions knowing full well that if she were in her right senses she would be horrified at the thought of such a thing but as i stood looking at her for several moments in a state of perplexed indecision and wondering what course to pursue she began to moan as if in agony and without further hesitation i decided to go ahead and do my best to make her position more comfortable so i began by taking off her shoes what a superb foot mused i enthusiastically as i unlaced and removed her pretty little shoes was there ever another quite so shapely or entrancing and the ankle how daintily its joints showed beneath embroidered hose of exquisite material hardly had i begun this tax before i realized that a strange magnetic force was stealing upon me with such a feast for my eyes to contend with it seemed as if my senses were being gradually overcome by the intoxicating clutch of voluptuous dreams the shoes off i turned my attention to the collar which apparently caused her much uneasiness the collar as i discovered was part of the bodice and could not be taken off without removing the whole garment which task required considerable time patience and careful manoeuvring to perform this i finally accomplished however with the aid of arletta who revived occasionally from her comatose state long enough to give a few indistinct directions and then as my eyes rested upon her lovely arms neck and shoulders i was plunged into ecstatic emotion such as words have not the power to express at last i succeeded in loosing the stays in different cords and ribbons usually worn by women 
which alleviated her distress considerably and after throwing a light robe over her form was about to arrange her position so that she might rest comfortably when to my utter astonishment he threw her arms around my neck kissed me several times and whispered in my ear you won't leave me alone to-night will you darling this seemed to be almost too much for me to bear the cravings of my sensual nature began a desperate struggle with my better self my blood started to tingle with the heat of passion evil thoughts crowded themselves into my brain the more of these evil thoughts i allowed to enter my head the less power of resistance i held against their subtle ravages i was losing self-control i felt powerless to battle successfully against the temptation stealthily walking over to the door i softly bolted it and then stood still for some time and listened it was past midnight and everything was quiet i turned out the light and started to go over to arletta as i did so something within me seemed to cry out with shame against such cowardice as i paused for a moment the voice from within became stronger in its disapproval of my intentions apparently i became divided into two parts and each was struggling for the mastery of me one side was trying with all its might to push me forward while the other was attempting to hold me back with reproachful warnings these two parts were my material and spiritual selves contending for supremacy i wavered back and forth from one to the other and it seemed that the material side was about to conquer and carry me down to disgrace when suddenly there passed through my mind like a great wave of strength the sage woman's wonderful precept always consult your soul for advice do no act your conscience will not sanction and recognizing the full meaning of these words i immediately turned about unbolted the door and quietly left the apartment feeling that the soul was still master of my actions End of chapter thirty recorded by gabby cowan in kingston ontario canada